And she just real quickly, she said, look, the judge and the DA want to amend your charges to homicide. Nobody thinks this victim's going to survive and they're going to change your charges to murder. I want to win. And if I don't win, I ain't giving up. Started his business from nothing, that was 2018. Came top salesman in the country multiple times, had a dream. He would scale up his company and train thousands of people. Give you knowledge and teach you, don't let the problems defeat you. Launching private rocket. All right, everybody, welcome to the Profit Rocket Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Rancor. Today, we have a very exciting guest. This is someone that I, you know, I kind of vetted myself because I didn't know if his story was real, man, he's just the, the conviction and the honesty and the stuff that I comes out of this guy's voice. And sometimes, you know, when you're out there and you're watching social media and you see people out there and you think, man, this guy, there's no way he could be like this. There's no way he could be real. Uh, this guy's as real as they come, man. Mr. Sean Crane, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to tell your story. I'm excited to talk about what you got going on. Awesome. Victor. Thank you for having me, bro. It's an honor and I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Cool. So Sean, you know, I, I don't even know how I came across your page or anything like that, but I think, I think I might have seen it. It was like probably probably an Instagram reel or something like that. It's probably three in the morning, and this guy's up running, right? And I and I think it's one of those things is I I started looking at it. And I'm like, fuck, I want to be like that guy, man. I wanted I want to have that thing, and and all of us have that 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 thought in our head like of what we want to be, what our perfect version would be, and and how we would carry ourselves. And I think that's kind of what kind of jumped out on the screen the first time I met, you know, started watching Sean, and. That's what we're going to talk about today, man. How do we become that guy that you want to be on the inside, the guy that you truly believe you can be? How do you become that? And I think, you know, Sean's story is fantastic, and we'll go through it because he's gone through some stuff that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy and to get him where he's at today. So, Sean, let's let's start from where you were, was it 10 years ago? Yeah, at 10 years ago at 23, looking at life in prison, right? I mean, this is where it all started, so we got to tell the story. Prior to that point, my life – was just horrible. I was battling with my drug and alcohol addiction. Uh, I come from a broken home, parents who had left me. I lost my mom to the streets, my dad to prison. And so from 14 to 24, I didn't do anything with my life. I had no direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I barely got through high school. I'd probably be dead right now if I didn't end up going to prison. But, you know, divine intervention, God intervened, fate, whatever you want to call it, uh, had something different in store for me. So I ended up going to this party when I was 23 where a fight broke out. I'm sure a lot of you listening or people that I know have been to parties where fights take place. It's pretty common, right? I, I used to start them. Yeah. I, well, I, I did too as a kid. I was a knucklehead. I had a lot of anger that I didn't know how to deal with, right? A lot of suppressed emotion. I'd go to parties, get drunk, and end up fighting or getting in a wrestling match. You know, it happened all the time, especially I grew up in Santa Barbara. So Isla Vista College was out across the freeway from where I grew up. It was like the number one party school in the nation for a couple of years on Halloween, all these weekends we were out there. So I'd go out there and, and we'd party and, and fight with the college kids. Um, but this night on the Mesa in Santa Barbara was different. This night changed my life forever. Uh, a fight broke out. I was watching it and I got tackled from the side. I thought I was getting jumped. So I'm, I get slammed into a car and on the ground, I'm like bear hugging this guy thinking I'm going to get kicked in the head and stomped out. Nothing happened. I ended up trying to roll him off of me. Finally, I rolled him off of me and I threw two punches at him. To, as I'm getting up, I'm thinking this guy's going to jump me or he's kicking my ass, you know, and uh, they like grazed his head. They didn't even hit him. So when he stayed face down on the ground, as I stood up, I was like, damn, that, that was weird. Like split second thought. That was weird. Why didn't he get up? And my friends calling my name, Sean, let's go, Sean, let's go. He's in the street. And by this time, all these people are scattering. I hear girls screaming and all these people yelling. 
And I walk over to the street and I get under lights like this and I'm just covered head to toe in blood. My friend's eyes like light up. He's like, dude, what the hell, man? You're covered in blood. And my arms, my whole shirt just dripping off of my face, just blood everywhere. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And so he starts running up the street and I, I start limping after him. I couldn't even run. My, my back was all messed up when I got tackled into that car. And cops are racing by me, going to the house. And I'm like ducking into this laundromat where my friend's waving me into. He throws a shirt at me. He's like, take off that shirt. You can't walk around like that. I put some random shirt on and we go up the street and he had called a cab. So we took a cab home. And by the time I got to his place, I was so fucked up on drugs and alcohol from that night, I just passed out. And the next morning I woke up with the worst feeling. Like, yeah, have you ever had, ever had a nightmare? And you wake up, you're like, thank God it was a dream. You know, yeah. this wasn't a dream. I knew something bad happened. So I Googled fight at the Mesa and it said two men were stabbed. One's in critical condition. He's in a coma and the police are looking for the suspects. And a couple hours later, they came and arrested me with AR-15s, dogs, everything at gunpoint and charged me with attempted murder. Wow. So you went from having a good time, hanging out with your friends to less than 24 hours later, you got guns at your guns at your door. People are knocking on, knocking on your door and, and taking you out. What was going through your head at that point? Because obviously you probably reached out to people. You had some conversations and, and what were you like? I would just imagine like in that moment, I'm like trying to map together my story, right? Like you're trying to figure out what the hell you're going to say and how do you explain it? Because guess what? At this point, no matter what you say is getting used against you. So you have to be able to piece this thing together after having a night of drinking and drugs and the shit like that. And you're like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck happened. And yeah. what's, what's running through your head at that point? So they show up at your house and, and they're knocking on the door. What's running through your head? Exactly. Were you thinking to run? <laughs> like, what were you I thinking? mean, you're thinking, okay, am I going to like skip town? And then you're, you're thinking, no, they just want to talk to me and, and figure out what happened. Like I thought they were trying to get me to press for information. That's what I thought. Or at the worst, um, like an accomplice. You know, because yeah. I ran and I was there watching the fight. I never thought in a million years they were going to look at me as the main suspect. So I decided, OK, I'm just going to wait around, see what happens. And when they arrest me, I'm just not going to say anything. You know, but then you're like, OK, yeah, I was at the party. I saw the fight, but I left before. Yeah. You know, I, I was there when the argument broke out, but I left um, when the fight happened. Like you start trying to figure out what to say. Um, but right when I got there, man, after they arrested me, they came at me hard. They did what they do in the movies. They literally brought in pictures of this guy with his throat slit and staples from this side all the way to this side and threw him down in front of me and said, we know you did this. This guy's dying in the hospital right now. You're going to prison for the rest of your life. We're going to charge you with homicide. I was like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious right now? You think I did this, you know? Um, and the night that the, the incident happened, number one, I didn't see the attack. And number two, I was so fucked up on drugs and alcohol. Like you said, I was trying to piece together, well, what did happen? Like in my own mind, like when did this happen? I knew I didn't do it. I knew I didn't do it, but I didn't know when it occurred or who did it. So they, they ended up giving me a white jumpsuit and taking me to county jail and saying, you know, we're charging you with homicide. Like we think you did this. Everyone at the party said you did this. You ran. We have your blood soaked shirt. You're fucked. And it looked horrible, man. It looked, it looked like I did it. It really did. And so I remember I got to the county jail and you have like a really quick phone call as you're getting processed in. And I called my uncle Mike. I was like, Mike, I'm in jail. He's like, yeah, what, what's going on? And all I could say was I'm charged with attempted murder, but I didn't do it. And then the phone just hung up. And then that night, you know, by this time, it was the next night they processed me in. Um, I, by that time, I'm like coming off the drugs and alcohol. So I feel like shit. And my, I'm, I'm um, foggy. Like my brain's not there. My thinking's not there. I'm just discombobulated so i just went and passed out that night and then the next day i woke up and i'm like i'm still here this is reality 
you know? And for that moment, Florida is just a fight, bro. Like the, the worst experience you could ever imagine just being 23, thinking your life's over, you're coming off all these drugs and alcohol. There's just no hope in that, in that first couple of weeks. Yeah. And there's, you know, at that point, there's not much lower you can get. And you kind of, I mean, everything I, I would, I've never been in that position, but I would just imagine everything kind of flashing before your, your mind and, and things that, you know, it's never going to be the best thing. You're not thinking of anything positive in that moment. It's only like, shit, what, what do I do from here? And it's not something you can talk your way out of. Like it's, it's one of those things that they have all this evidence against you. You already know you're, you're fucked. The only question is how fucked are you, right? Yeah. Am I ever going to get out of this thing? And so with the guy, did the guy die? What happened with the guy? So supposedly he died three times on the way to the hospital. Like they used the defibrillators. They brought him back to life. Then he was in a coma for a week and miraculously he survived. Like no one thought he was going to live. In fact, the first day I went to court, I walk in and I'm all shackled up and the news press is there. They're taking my picture. They put my picture on the front page of the news press, Sean Crane charged with attempted murder. And I'm walking towards the podium. I see the judge and the DA talking. And this woman starts walking towards me really quickly. I realized it was my lawyer's assistant. And I'm like, cool, I'm going like, to hear some good news maybe or someone yeah. who's trying to help me. And she just real quickly, she said, look, the judge and the DA want to amend your charges to homicide. Nobody thinks this victim's going to survive and they're going to change your charges to murder. I just want to warn you. And for some reason, they never did that day. They waited to see, okay, let's, let's see what happens with the victim this week. And when we come back next week, we can change his charges if the victim passes away. And this guy miraculously survived, man. But that was my first experience in court at 23, walking in just in a daze, you know, shackled up, news press taking my picture. And this woman tells me, basically, your life's over. And I couldn't even really believe it. Like, I couldn't grasp the reality of what I was experiencing. It just felt surreal. I couldn't, I couldn't even believe it. It felt too surreal. It was too crazy. I was still numb from drugs and alcohol. Um, and the severity of my situation, it was just, it was too much. And so I went back after that and I was spending a lot of time in a jail cell, you know, and I had so much time to think and reflect. And as the drugs started wearing out of my system and I started to get more sobriety, I felt the intensity of the situation. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. felt that, that like that, the reality of it. And it was weighing upon me heavily, man. But in that cell, some crazy things started to happen. Like when you have 24 hours a day with nothing but just your own mind, you discover a depth within yourself that most people will never experience. Yeah. And, and obviously when you get left, anytime you get left to your own thoughts, things go a little crazy. Right. And yeah. you kind of have a couple options there, right? You can, you can accept it and you can say, this is my life now. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They end up in, in jail and they just say, this is who I am. This is my life. And you have, you have two choices. You can say, this is how I'm going to live. Or you can say, Hey, look, how do I go up from here? And especially when you're looking at a long-term stuff like that, it's like, you know, if it's like a couple months, okay, it's like one of those things, it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. I'm just going to get through this. But when you're looking at something like this, like you want to change your life. And, and also, you know, if I'm putting myself in your shoes, I'm just like, dude, I want to put myself in the best position if I'm going to be in here or not. I got to have my head right. I got I to gotta get my shit straight. So you're going through the whole court process and all that stuff. And finally, they give you a sentence. When they gave you the sentence, what was going through your head at that point? I took a plea deal. Okay. I took a plea deal because after eight months, no evidence in my favor came out. If anything, it was it was worse. More people were coming out, basically, corroborating the the police um, report. My best friend, who I was at the party with, cooperated with the cops, and basically made me look like the attacker, even though he knew I was innocent. He showed them where the shirt was. He told them about how we went back to his house. He told them about stuff in the past that like painted me in a negative light. So I had all this stuff working against me. 
And if I would have went to trial, maybe I would have won, but probably not. Because in my my county, the DA had a 99% conviction rate. Like no one wins at trial. You go to trial if they don't give you a plea deal, if you have no options. So for eight months in the county jail, I was just literally in this cell, just fighting for my life, hoping that they'd open that door one day and say, oh, mistaken identity, Crane, you're going home. Or, oh, Crane, you know, some new information has come out. Like, I was just waiting for that moment and it never came. So every day I realized, man, like I gotta, I gotta fight. This shit ain't going away. No one's coming to rescue me. No one's coming to save me. I have to find something within me that's gonna help me to persevere just through the day, through the moment. And so for me, it wasn't about life. It was about the moment I was in and how to battle those negative thoughts, those negative feelings and just get through that moment. So I developed some really powerful routines in the county jail. Early wake up workouts, cleaning my cell, reading, writing. Every day I just kept myself busy. And that allowed me to be in the moment versus in the past or in the future worrying about what was going to happen. And I started training my mind just to live in the present moment and to give my all to what I was doing. And that was the first time in my life I, I was really like in a flow state. How crazy. I'm in prison facing life and I'm in a flow state. Like just feeling the best I ever had because I was sober. I was focused on bettering myself. And I just was taking action every day. You know, so by the time they offered me that plea deal, I told myself, okay, I'm going to take this seven-year plea deal and I'm going to turn this time in prison into the best years of my life. Like, I'm going to go in there and do everything I can to come out the best version of myself I can be. And that was my mentality going into it. So I did. I went to prison. I ended up doing five and a half years. And at that time, those were by far the best years of my life. And that's, and that's crazy to say, right? But, you know, you've you come from a, a life that, that you were living. And, you know, I, I know a lot of friends in that life. I have my family members that have been in that life, you know, from, you know, like you said, your mom, mom on the streets, your dad's dad's not, not there. He's, you know, he's not doing the right things. You don't see anything better. Right. And then you're in, now you're in prison. You're just seeing some of the, you know, some of the other side, like even how even worse people at some, at some point, as you're going through that though, and I'm surrounded by people that, you know, maybe did a bunch of crimes and they, these are just rat, bad people. Were they, would they give you any shit while you're in there or like, how was the camaraderie? Cause you know, no one, most people are listening. It's never been to prison, right? Like if they see someone like you, that's doing that every day, are they giving you shit every day, talking shit to you? Like, you know, what's that, what's that like? Yeah. I mean, people ask me that all the time. So it's hard to talk shit on someone that you actually respect and admire, like honestly. So I wasn't doing things like walking around saying, look at me, look what I'm doing. I was just minding my own business, sticking to the routine, like being disciplined but I was a savage with my workouts. Like I was positive, I was respectful, I was focused. And so it's not that hard to avoid conflict when you're that way. It's the people that are in the drug game, like talking a bunch of shit, like drawing attention to themselves that get into, into trouble or problems in prison, yeah. right? So no, for me, I mean, it wasn't hard. The first three years, I did my best to keep people like at arm's distance, you know? I didn't wanna let anyone in to like my my, circle and get too close with people because i was just focused on myself but after three years i started socializing with more of the guys and some younger guys and people saw how motivated i was would they would approach me and they'd ask me about workouts or about college courses that i was taking and i was able to start mentoring guys in prison and that's literally when i found like wow this is my purpose i want to help people i like the way it feels seeing you know little timmy over there change his mindset he's working out with me every day now he's talking about his life after prison and all these other guys, oh, John's taking college courses, man. I'm helping him with that. I'm like, damn. So I spent all this time working on myself so that I can then be valuable to other people. How amazing is that? And I think that's, you know, that's a testament to, a, you know, a lot of people. Like I, I talk to people all the time, like, well, I want to be a, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a fitness coach and I want to be all these things. And 
one thing, or you want to be a business coach or whatever it is, right? Sales coach. First thing you got to make sure you get yourself dialed in first. So you cannot help anybody until you can help yourself. And I think what you're saying is powerful because you became someone that could help people because before you weren't a person that could help anybody. You, you could help people go in a bad direction, yeah, right? Wrong way. But now you built this, you built this, this person who you are. And when you build that person, then it's like really no one can fuck with you at that point, right? Then it's when you're able to start actually becoming where you want to go and be able to start leading people. So as you're going through through prison, you know you have a you know you have the end in sight, but you you know day in and day out. I know we we had a conversation this morning. You're like, dude, I was fucking scrubbing my my gel my gel cell floor and stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about just the mindset behind just dialing in your your day? Because I think I talk to you every day. You're like, dude, I I talk to you on Sunday, and Sunday you're like, I already got my entire week mapped out. Is that something you started while you're in the jail cell? Well, it starts with your morning routine because that sets the tone for your day. So in jail, you, you get up early because you want to get your breakfast, right? And also, I wanted quiet time. Like prison can be a loud place. You have no privacy. I'd get up early so that I didn't have to deal with anyone for the first hour. This was my way of what I called putting on my armor. Like I didn't want to step outside my cell and be irritable, um, you know, be like lazy uh, or just like half awake because that's how you get yourself in wrecks. So I'd get up an hour earlier and I'd have time by myself. You know, I'd have my morning routine. I'd just reflect on my life. I'd read, I'd write, and I'd work out. And this just primed me for the day. So I'd go into my day with more clarity, more focus, and it just stuck with me, and it became a routine that served me. Um, the morning is when you start your day. The morning routine is, is crucial. If you don't have a morning routine, you're not going to go into your day being as intentional. You're not going to have as much focus. And if you add up those days over the course of 10 years, you're not going to be as productive. Like when you set the tone with that early morning hour, and you work out and you rev up that internal engine, you get your mind ready for the day. You go into your day a whole different type of animal. It's just, it's like night and day. So for me, I kind of stumbled on that process and I felt better when I did that. I was able to not be reactive, but I was in control of my emotions. My clarity and my mental focus improved and it just served me. So I could go into my days a better version of myself, man. Yeah. And this, you know, obviously I got a lot of guys in the home service space and they're listening to this. And, and this is something, you know, Sean just had a meeting with my guys and you can see it when they walked in, like you can tell the guys that were up early, the guys that were, that were ready to do their stuff. And you can tell the guys that were just kind of going through the motions. Right. And as we were talking, I was just, Hey, look, this is one thing I'm trying to work on right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to become the leader. Right. Cause you know, organizations, they, they, it's like, a, you know, fish die from the head, right? Head first. Same thing with the organization. If you're, if you're not bringing the energy, you're not being the leader, you're not guiding these guys in that direction then you can't expect them to win. And this is something like my guys came in and it's like, dude, like how do I get the energy into it? Well, it starts with the morning stuff because they come in like this. If they're going to your morning meetings and they have no energy, how are they going to go talk to your customers? Do you think they're going to have high energy when they talk to your customers? They can just turn it on. And if you guys think that you guys can just turn it on at any time, you're wrong, right? It turns, you have to turn it on in the, in the very beginning of the morning, very beginning of your call or whatever it is. Like for me, I went into work when I was, first starting out and i wanted to be the fucking best like if anybody knew me back then i was so laser focused i had fucking blinders on that i wasn't going to just beat the guys in my group i was going to be the best that ever did it and the reason i did and, the, and when i had that and i look back and i'm like what made me great well i woke up every day and i would write down five things five reasons why someone should buy today five reasons why someone should buy from me and my company and I would set my mindset in the morning of like, dude, this is what we need to do. And then I'd write down, hey, where am I at for my goal for the month? Where am I at for my goal for the year? And I did these simple little tasks in the morning every single day. And I teach this in my sales class, but then we, I don't apply it in my own life a lot of times now. And it's something that just kind of hit me while I'm going through this is I did this every day. And so when I went into, when I went into a service call, 
I already had five objections that they can come up with. These are the five objections. Okay, perfect. I already had the answers to them. I already had the objections handled before I even got in the house. I already had the reasons why they should buy it from me and not somebody else. I already practiced this morning. I practiced it before I went into work. So when I went in the house, there wasn't a question of what they're going to buy from me. It's like how much they're going to spend. That was the only question. And that comes back to what you're saying is starting the day with with goals and objection, objectives of where you want to go. So – yeah, Anyways. let me. Can I jump in right there? Because this is bit. really good. For me, it starts the night before. I look over my calendar for the next day, all my appointments. I want to visualize and know what's coming before I even open my fucking eyes. And what this does for your mind, it helps you to focus on like the things that are important in your life. And you're going to show up as a better version of yourself. Mental preparation is one of the most important things to show up and execute at your best. So I look over my calendar, and this is what I teach all my clients too. It takes 30 seconds. Oh, I got an appointment at eight, nine. And then nothing till one and two. What am I going to do between fucking 10 and two? Like I'm already mapping it out in my mind and I'm just so much more focused and productive because I actually have a plan. It's simple. But then when you wake up, you're going to be tired. Your alarm clock goes off. You don't want to get up. That bitch voice in your mind is going to say, sleep in. I'll do it later. And that's the battle that we have to win. If you can get up early every day before you want to, when it's uncomfortable, it's going to turn you into a beast, I'm telling you. Because what you're saying is my goals and the person I want to become is way more important than this extra sleep. No one sleeps in and hits snooze and gets up every day and says, I feel so good. I'm so happy I snoozed. Everyone's complaining about it. They're saying, damn, I should have got up early. I should have went to the gym. I should have done this shit. That's your higher self. That's that person inside of you that you want to be screaming to get your attention. But so many people just lose that first battle and it carries over into their day. So if you can set an early wake-up time and a commitment to go work out and, and have time to visualize your day and reflect on like what you're doing, you're like light years ahead of people. It, it's going to change your whole mindset. When you do that consistently over time, it elevates your confidence because you're doing hard stuff every day. You become disciplined, right? And you're literally sending your subconscious brain messages that I'm going to do hard stuff every day because I know it's going to pay off in the future. I know this is going to add value to my life, so I'm going to sacrifice things now, and I'm going to put in the work now to create a better life for me in the future. And so you have the guy who's working for you, right, who sleeps in, who shows up late. How do you think he's making sales, right? I'm not buying from that guy. No. His shoulders are shrugged down. He's not making eye contact. His tonality's low. What about the motherfucker that was up at the gym, crushed his workout, he's eating good food, he has that energy that he's cultivating through those routines, how is he showing up? Eye contact with the customer, that body language, that transfer of energy that takes place is unconscious, but people automatically are attracted to it, yep. right? Like, damn, like this guy knows what he's talking about. I like this guy. I like his energy. Yeah. What do you got? Oh yeah. I'll upgrade. Oh, you got that too. Like sales at that point becomes easy because it's a transfer of energy and yep. people feel that as soon as you walk into a room. So it's our responsibility as leaders for our family, for our business, for any aspect of life. We have to hold ourselves to that higher standard every day and cultivate that energy within us so that we show up as our best in life. Yeah, and, and you know, I've been there. I mean, everybody that's listening to this has that bitch voice. And, and we I, all fight it every day, bro. We fight it every day, and, and, I, and I lose to it a lot of times, and I make an excuse for it, right? Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm crushing it over here, so I don't really need to do that. Or I'm doing, I'm doing some so good at doing this, I don't need to do that. And it's not, it's not right. So just because you're winning and just because your business is doing good, there's always another level to it, right? There's always another like, dude, imagine if you did this too. So if you're already like, you know, Sean, I talk, Sean's one of my, you know, he's kind of like my life coach now or whatever it is, workout coach. And I'm like, man, he's like, you're crushing it. But imagine if you did this, 
Imagine if you actually took that whole other fucking level. And that's where I'm at now. I'm at the point where, okay, I'm ready to take that next level. I'm ready to not only become the best businessman, but I also want to become the best person I can be. And the best person I can be starts with that waking up in the morning. So yeah, you can get I out touch, of prison. Can I touch on that real quick? Yeah, let's touch on that a little bit. Because we all have that thing inside of us that's trying to guide us and direct us. Most people ignore it. So Victor's crushing it in business. Like you're crushing it. But if you're not doing what your heart is calling you to do, like if you're not going to the gym every day or being the best husband or whatever your conscious is calling you to do, you're never going to experience true fulfillment. Like I'd rather be just tapped into who I want to be and living as that person every day than having all the money or all the material things in the world. That shit doesn't mean anything if we can't go to sleep at night knowing, damn, I'm being the best version of me possible. And that's multifaceted, right? There's a lot of different things we need to focus on and do. So I'm a performance coach. I help men become their best selves. That's why you reached out to me. You heard something in my voice. You saw something in me and you thought, damn, I want that. That's your conscience. That's your higher self calling you, right? Now you're taking action. Most people and probably a lot of people listening right now don't act upon that truth. And that's where they go wrong. You're never going to have fulfillment or live a purpose-driven life if you're not willing to be honest and admit that you have stuff you want to work on and then have the courage to take action. Look at Victor, crushing it. People look up to you. You have a lot of things that people want. You're still willing to admit, hey, I have room to grow. And that's what true leaders do. Yeah, and I think it's it's not even just in health or, or fitness and stuff, and that's important, right? But even in business, right? That we always we have this belief that we're doing we're doing good in business, we're doing good in sales, but there's always that whole other level we can get to. So a lot of clients come to me, they're like, "Well, I'm already doing good in business." I said, "Okay, well, do you have this, this, and this?" Well, no, I'd really like that. I said, "Okay, so would you? Are you willing to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and go up and do that?" And that's what I teach in my business training and my sales training. And the thing is, like I, like I said, I had all these things that I'm like, I'm doing great at. And I knew deep down, like, I could be better. I could be doing better. And that's why we had that conversation. But let's circle back around. You got out of prison, right? Okay, now you get out of prison. You're a fucking felon now. You got this, all this stuff against you. You got this record. What's going through your head then? Like, what, what did you think you were going to do when you got out of, when you got out of prison? What did you think, my, this is my job. What am I going to do? It's not easy to go fucking find a job when you're a convicted felon, period. Yeah, I got out of prison at almost 30 years old with just $200 in my pocket, no material items, nothing. I had extended family who was supporting me, and I went and stayed in the trailer on my aunt and uncle's property. I had spent 2,000 days in prison visualizing that moment, like just wanting it so bad. you know. And my vision wasn't perfect. I knew I wanted to get out. I wanted to help people. I love fitness. I love psychology. I knew I had a heart to serve. How was I going to do that? The pieces weren't perfectly like fit into place. I had to figure it out. But the one thing I wasn't going to do is hold back. I wasn't going to let fear dictate how I live my life ever again. So when I got out the first day, obviously it's exciting. There's a lot of anticipation. I went down to Huntington Beach over here with my brother and sister, and there was like 10-foot waves. And we rented surfboards off this little shack, and me and my brother paddled out and surfed. That was dope. You know, the first wave I dropped into – I was like, damn, I'm back, you know? Hours before I'm in this cold, dark cell, now I'm under the California sunshine surfing. It was incredible. But then after that, it's like, okay, it's real life now. Like, it's a fast-paced world. And there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of stress. Like, yeah. how am I going to make this happen? What am I going to do? I didn't want to be a fucking loser, man. Like, my worst fear was that I had all these ambitions, all these dreams that I talked about, that I wrote about in letters back home, and then suddenly I would just settle, right? Or I'd go back to, like, my old life, you know? So the first couple months I was working for my uncle Mark's tree service, same job as before prison. I was a climber. I'd climb trees, 
I'd cut them down. I'd trim them. I'd carry brush. It's hard work. It's good work, but that's not what I wanted to do, man. And yeah. I could have even taken over his company and I could have been set with security, with safety, right? Income, like all these things, but I knew I wanted to do more. So I started figuring out how can I work with people? And I had an old friend who was a personal trainer. I talked to him and he said, if I got certified, he'd give me clients to start training out of the gym back in Santa Barbara where I'm from. And so I spent like two weeks getting certified. I took all the tests, wrote the, the essays, got, got certified. Uh, and then the day I was set to go, wildfires broke out in California and we were literally displaced. Like my uncle's house almost burned out. Oh, so now I'm in an Airbnb. I'm a felon. I'm two years out of prison. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This isn't the way it was supposed to go. You know, you have this vision of getting out and everything just falls into place. Yeah. Like, oh, if I just did the right thing in here, it's all going to work out. You have to make this stuff happen, you know? And so I'm sitting there thinking, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I, I can't get to Santa Barbara. Everything's burning down around me. Uh, and then like two days later, rainstorms came through that area of Southern California and all these mudslides shut down the roads. The US 101 North into Santa Barbara was completely shut down. Literally Montecito, I don't know if you've heard of Montecito, all these yeah. big mansions, mudslides came through there and killed people and all this crazy stuff. So I'm sitting there thinking, damn, how am I going to get to Santa Barbara? And uh, I started going through my contacts and I called an old friend who did sunset tours. He flew planes. I'm like, what's up, man? Like, what do you, what have you been up to? Uh, he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working. I'm actually flying planes again. All these mudslides are taking place and I'm flying people back and forth from Ventura County to Santa Barbara. I said, no shit. Like, I need to get to Santa Barbara. I got a job working with TJ in the gym. Uh, I'm going to do personal training, but I have no way to get there. The roads are shut down. He's like, dude, I'll, I'm going there on Monday morning to pick up my boss for this hotel that he worked at. I'll give you a ride. So I go down to the airport Monday morning. I have a duffel bag with all my possessions, like everything to my name, and $700. And I fly into Santa Barbara. And on the way, we're in the plane. He looks at me. He's like, so what's your plan, man? What are you going to do? I said, fuck, this is it. I don't know. I'm just going to get this job, man. I got to go for it. He's like, you don't have anywhere to, to live? Do you have a, like a car? Like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'm just going to couch surf and figure it out, man. I got to do this, you know? And he's like, well, check it out. My dad rents out rooms. He, he has college kids that are going back for holidays. Maybe he can uh, put you in a room for a little while. So we get to Glita and Santa Barbara where I live. I go to the gym and I talk to the owner of the gym and I just tell him my story. I'm just honest with him about being a felon, getting out of prison. I was just motivated, good attitude, respectful. Just like we talked about earlier, like the energy I came with. Yeah. Like he couldn't deny me. I was the best candidate for the job. I was in physical shape. I had the right mindset, the right attitude. So he goes, look, I'm going to give you a second chance working here. Right. Don't, don't make me regret that. So now I had a job training clients, making 50 bucks an hour, first job out of prison. Right. Uh, that represented like a future for me in that industry. I wanted to, to coach and do, do what I do now. So then I went to my friend's dad, dad's house. I literally gave him all my money, 700 bucks for a room. Now I had a room to stand. And later that day, I went and found my uncle, Mark, his mechanic. He told me, Hey, connect with my mechanic in town. Maybe he has a car you can use, you know? But he, had, he, he, he would get cars, fix them up, and sell them. I had no money, though. So I'm, like, looking around his little junkyard, and he has a Honda Civic over there in the corner, and the rear end's all smashed in, bro. Like, the ugliest car you've ever seen. <laughs> Nobody would want to be seen driving that car. But he was willing to let me use it for two weeks until I could make some money and pay for something else. So, like, fuck, I'll take it, you know? And the next day, I showed up at the gym. I parked around the corner so no one would see me driving that car. And 5 a.m., I was training my first client. And that's, that was my start. And I never looked back a year later. I left that gym and started my own fitness company. 
started getting clients all over the county and building a reputation. And then COVID shut the gyms down and I transitioned my whole business online. And that was like another challenge because all my income, all my clients were gone overnight. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, you know, now it's my wife, my newborn daughter, Scarlett. My wife, Jessica's pregnant with Preston. Mason's 10 doing Zoom for school. I have my family to take care of. And I just lost my income, my clients. And I remember it was four in the morning, bro. I'm sitting in a rocking chair like this, stressed out. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my family? And in that moment, I almost called my Uncle Mark back. I was like, hey, can I get that job? But something inside me wouldn't let me do that. You know, I'd, I'd come too far, man. I fought too hard to get to that moment. I couldn't just give up on my vision and, and who I wanted to be. And so I said, fuck that. Like, I'm, I can help people. Everyone's locked down. Everyone's stressed. Everyone's depressed. I'm going to help these people. I just spent 2,000 days in prison. I overcame addiction. I overcame depression. I know I can help people. I got to start sharing what I know more, more openly. And I just went on social media, and I just never stopped. I shared my story, and it took off, and people started reaching out, and then my coaching business grew online. Yeah, so and we'll talk a little bit about that, but, you know, a lot of guys are like, man, I want to, I want to get more customers and I want to start a business and I want to do all that stuff, but they are too scared to actually put themselves out there. Right. I think that's more of the, the difference between your favorite influencer and yourself. If you have, if you have a good thing to talk about, right. Is that he put himself out there. So as you're growing the social media, what was your, you know, how did you go about it? Right. Because obviously, you know, you're, you're still getting used to it. And obviously social media has changed the whole fitness industry like forever, like, because now you can make money doing what you love where before it was very difficult to make money as, a, as an instructor you work in your gym you hope and pray they give you leads and people came in now you can be like hey i'm gonna go out and get people now you and especially if you have an online coach you're not just pigeonholed to your city anymore you're pit you can go the entire country so how did you go about like starting to build your influence and starting to build your following yeah i mean the the reach that you have on social media is unprecedented like you you have more leads than you know what to do with right uh, working a nine to five in a gym, how much are you going to make per month? Not enough to support your family, not enough to live the life you want. I knew that. So prior to COVID shutting everything down, I actually met somebody who was a, a coach for coaches. I just happened to meet him at a coffee shop. He was like doing a selfie video in the parking lot. I made a joke to him. I'm like, what's up, dude? You like inspiring some people on that phone. And we sat down and we talked and he told me, Hey, like I can show you how to create an online coaching business. It's 5,200 for three months. And here I am just out of prison, never invested in anything for myself, but I knew I had to find a way to make it work. I didn't even have that money then, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this shit happen. Like I have to, that's the yeah. difference. Everyone looks at money and they're like, I can't do it. It's like, no, how can you, do you want it that bad? I had to do this for me. It's like life or death. That's the way I look at my goals and who I want to become in this life. There's no other option. Just like when I made the choice, I'm not going back to uncle Mark's job. There's no fucking plan B. So I started learning his strategies and I just started first like sharing with who I was and what I went through online. And for me, it was never just about fitness. That's one component, but it was about everything like your mindset, your daily routines. Like there's so much more that goes into being our best self than just working out. That's a powerful tool though. So I just started really like sharing more vulnerable stuff. And that's what people want to see on social media. They see all the glitz and glamor. They see all the perfect content show people who the fuck you really are at your worst time and talk about how you overcame those struggles. Like, don't be scared to be vulnerable. Everyone's trying to put out a perfect message instead of just being who they are. 
That's why you're not getting clients because no one connects with your message. It's watered down. What I tell people all the time is like, don't be scared to be vulnerable. Don't give a fuck what people think about you. Be true to who you are and authentic and watch what happens. Then you have to show up every day and share that person with the world on social media. And if you do that every day for 365 days, watch what happens in your online business. It, and it's, it doesn't matter even if it's an online business or whatever you're doing. Like for me, I didn't start as an online business. Like for me, I was growing my AC company and I was just, I was just putting stuff out there. I was talking about what I was doing. I was showing, I was getting people involved. People want to come along for the story. Right. And I've, you know, I've been the people that listen to this stuff know that I've gone whole 360 from where I started. Like I was loud. I was brash. I was, I was myself, but a lot of people got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly with me. I didn't, just only show them the good. They got to show, they got to see the bad side of me too. And when people see that and they start realizing, oh shit, this guy is human, right? People started, you know, actually connecting with my story and understanding like who I am and what drives me and stuff like that. And, and I think that was the thing that turned the corner for me is that like, I don't bullshit. Like, you know, most people are like, oh, I'm only showing the good stuff on social media. Like, oh, my business is always doing good. Dude, business isn't always good. I've, I talk about it all the time about my struggles I went through. Where I, almost was, I was almost in bankruptcy and I'm at tears and telling my girl that we're going to have to shut the business down and all this stuff that happened. And I talk about it because everybody has to know that there's a struggle. Everybody has to know that because if everybody thinks it's, it's easy for you and they go try to do it and all of a sudden it's not easy, they just shut off. They're like, oh, you know, I'm, no, he got lucky, whatever it is. No, dude, business is hard. Life is hard. Sales is hard. All that shit is hard and you have to learn how to get past it. Because if you don't go through adversity, you're never going to get. You're not going to never going to be able to succeed. Anybody you've ever followed has struggled at some point, has gone through some shit to get them where they are. And I think that's important too. If you are going to start building your online presence, is talk about the, the shit that is going wrong. Talk about the sad times. Talk about you know the tears. I mean, I've been like I said, I've been there where I didn't know I was going to make payroll. I didn't know I was going to pay my bills. I had to rob Peter to pay Paul because I had a vision. But the one thing that mattered is my vision was never pivoting like you were saying we, i burnt the fucking ships option one and option fucking a are the same thing we're only going one direction and if you try to if you try to say hey oh i might have a backup plan or you know a lot of guys are like well if i fail i can go back and work for my boss no i can't fucking work there anymore i burnt the ship i made sure that i was unhirable okay on purpose <laughs> like no one's gonna fucking hire me at this point because i'm fucking don't have any option and once you guys do that this is when you control where you go where you're going and that's what sean did right he made that decision that's what he's gonna do but once you do it, you also have to show up every day. It can't, it's not a part-time job. Like you are not, you're not someone that shuts off. Like you're fucking, I don't even reach out to you and you're fucking reaching out to me, text messaging me. Hey dude, what's going on? Did you do your workout today? Hey, let's talk. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to talk to that guy again. Cause he's going to make me want to make me do shit again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've just trained myself to be this way, man. It's because I know what's at stake if we don't give our all. Like I felt that pain sitting in a jail cell looking back on all my excuses, all the, the what ifs, who I could have been. That pain was so, so bad, man. And like, I think a lot of people right now don't understand that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, they're going to look back and wish they would have started making those changes now. And it's going to be too late. And they're going to die with regrets. They're going to die, not even really getting to experience who they could have been. So for me, every day I'm driven by that pain. I know what you know, excuses now lead to massive regrets that we can't change. And I just want to give my all to this life. So every day I wake up, I'm extremely grateful to open my eyes, to have freedom, to have my beautiful family, to have these opportunities. And I want to show how grateful I am through my actions. You know, I have a responsibility because of what I went through to share this message as much as I need to, to get through to people. If that means running every day in the dark, right, to first kill my own demons, then to share that process with other people, I'll do it. 
Like I'll do whatever it takes every single day. And I think, you know, I always kind of relate this thing back to this thing I heard, I heard a couple of years ago. Somebody told, said this out loud. He said, it's like, it's like smoking cigarettes, right? If you smoke a cigarette today, is it going to do anything to you? Probably not. You're going to be fine, right? Yeah. If you smoke a cigarette every single day, nothing happens, nothing happens. That's why we keep going back to it because nothing happens. Yeah. But if you actually compound that over the next 10 years, what happens? Your lungs start going out. Your body starts giving out. It's the same thing with life, right? You, you decide, hey, today I didn't work out. It's not no big deal. Nothing happened. Well, then the next day I don't work out. The next day it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden, you're two years from now, you haven't worked out in two years. What happens to your body? What happens to your life? So it's just like it's just like smoking a cigarette. That's why that's why you can get away with it because it doesn't hurt me today, but it is going to hurt you ten years from now. And that's what you have to really look at it and really comprehend what's at stake. It's not just today. It's that little thing you made, that decision you made today is going to affect you ten years from now. And that's what we got to look into. Yeah, and what's the gain too? It's on both sides of the coin, right? So like bad decisions now compound over time. So do good decisions. Like what if I told you that I started off just doing push-ups in a jail cell and looking up words in the dictionary? And now I'm a published author, a coach, like I take care of my family and I'm literally living the life I dreamt of all because I made those choices 10 years ago to not make the wrong decision, but start doing the right thing every day and just trusting and believing that it's going to add up over time and produce better results. And that's what I did. Every push up added up, every book I read, like every positive action I took compounded. And now I have that track record like of success, of personal success to draw from. Like no one can tell me anything about who I am. I was doing that stuff in the dark in a jail cell when no one was around for years. There was no social media. No one was there saying, Sean, do this. Everything's going to be okay. I was doing it for me so I could go to sleep at night knowing I was fighting. I wasn't giving up. I was giving my all. I had to do that for me. And I think for a lot of people, like you got to raise your standards. Look in your bank account, look at your body in the mirror without your shirt on, look at your relationship with your wife. How are you parenting your kids? Is it all the best it could be? If not, then how are you not obsessed over improving that every day? Like, are you, you're sleeping in, you're not taking action on the weekends, you're making excuses. Like people need to raise their standards. Mine are through the roof because I saw what low standards led to. And I hated the way I felt about myself. The worst feeling in the world is when you look yourself in the mirror and you're not happy with who you see. The best feeling in the world is when you look in the mirror and you say, damn, I love that person. Like that guy's giving his all to himself in the world, to his wife, to his kids, to his business, to his clients. I just want to be my best self for them, man. It means so much to me. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you have to also think guys, and a lot of guys give up because it's not an instant gratification, right? We live Never. in a world where it's instant gratification. I heard a saying once that, people overestimate what can get done in a year and they underestimate what can get done in five years. And, and just because you're not seeing the results you, you want in week one, month one, month three, month four, month five, it's a compound thing. You just got to have that belief that eventually it's going to get where you want to go. And as long as you have your plan in place and you follow through with it, it's going to get where you want to go. So just make sure that if you're grinding out there and you're not getting the results you want, first figure out why you're not getting the results, right? Because there's a reason you're not getting the results you want because there's probably something you're skipping in your process. And that's what hiring someone like a, like a Sean will do, right? Like you, you have, it's so many guys want to go figure everything out on their own when there's a fucking blueprint that someone else already has that already had to go through all the struggles you're going through. They already have it. They can say, here, here's a fucking cheat code. I don't yeah. know about you, but I value my time, right? If I can, I can waste five years trying to figure it out on my own or I can figure it out in six months by having someone else help me or pay for it. Just like you said, you couldn't afford that course, right? Dude, you can't afford not to take the course. You can't afford exactly. to not pay the money up front. When I talk to businesses, 
oh, I, I can figure it out. Okay, how much money is it going to cost you to figure out your business over the next year? Do you think you're going to lose more than $20,000 trying to figure it out on your own or spend more than that? Well, yeah. Okay, perfect. So why don't you just fucking cut the cord, or cut, the, cut the bullshit, get the cheat codes and get where you want to go. And that's what Sean's offering with his program is a cheat code. Dude, you follow the fucking game plan, you're going to win. You're going to feel better about yourself. Your life's going to get better. Your, your family's going to love you more. Your kids are going to love you more. You're going to feel better about yourself. But you guys are sitting there waiting, saying, I don't have the money. Dude, money is whatever. I go get a credit card and max that shit out. Because guess yeah. what? You're going to keep losing and losing and losing until you make a decision. Yeah, I mean, it's literally two mindsets. I can't or how can I? I'm always looking for solutions. I'm never going to say, oh, I can't do that. If it's something that's important to you that you know is going to move your life forward, how can I do it? Maybe the answer doesn't appear right away, but you keep asking yourself, how can I? How can I? And you're going to start to see how you can make it work. It always happens. For me, I've always invested in myself with business coaches and mentors since I came home because, number one, I expedite my results. I get the cheat sheet. I'm like, oh, this is how it's done? Cool, I can do it. And then number two is like when you invest in yourself and you put money down, do you think you're just going to not show up? No, you're going to show up two, three, fourfold, like above and beyond because you just put money down. You want to get your money's worth. And it always pushes you to give more effort and to be more consistent and to give that extra hour, you know, and that's crucial. So I'll put out as much money as I need to to continue to grow and to learn and to expand myself in what I'm doing. And, and that's something like I can attest to. I spend over $100,000 a year on coaches and, and things like that. And, and people are like, that's crazy. I think I'm probably probably 150000 this year I spent on coaches and, 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 and conferences and mentorship and things like that. But it's because I don't want to figure it out on my own anymore. I've already done that. I spent three years trying to figure it out on my own. And guess what? That shit sucks. Trying to figure out something that's already been proven and someone else already knows how to do is wasting your time, wasting your time, energy, and effort. People are like, well, how'd you grow your business from zero to this so quick? And I said, well, first I had to fucking fail a bunch. And then I finally decided I'm not going to fail anymore. I'm going to go find people that have done what I've done. I'm going to go find how they did it. And then I'm going to freaking rob and duplicate it. And that's all I'm going to do. Cause I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I just want to get there as fast as I can from point A to point B to make sure that I get my business where I need to be. So you are here now. You got two kids or three kids, three kids, three kids. You got a beautiful wife. You got the life that you wanted. What's next for Sean. So like, what's what's your five-year goal where do you see yourself being yeah i love that um so you know we're staying in santa barbara recently i, I built a house in idaho we we're gonna move we decided to stay in santa barbara I have tons of family there a lot of opportunities so i'm really gonna make santa barbara like the epicenter of my coaching and, and what i'm doing i want to take over that small little town and it's beautiful there uh, i want to have some events there people like you and some other big shots fly and come speak tell your story um, start putting on those personal development and business events there later in 2023, uh, 2023, just taking everything to the next level, always growing, always expanding, always pushing myself. Uh, so my, my coaching program, my mastermind, we're going to be having in-person events this year. The first one's in January, uh, in Atlanta, I'll be speaking at Ken Jocelyn's event, Ed Milet, John Maxwell, all the, all the top notch guys are going to be there. So I'm gonna have an in-person event for my clients to come fly out, see me speak and have a mastermind the week before. And then again in April here in California. So more in-person stuff, really making an impact on these men's life that I get to work with. I have my online platform, but I want to do a lot of in-person stuff because that's where the transfer of energy takes place. You know, that's where that real spark is ignited. And then these guys go back home and they're carrying that inspiration with them and it's going to change everything for them. So um, yeah, a lot of focus on coaching and speaking, man. That's my passion. That's what I want to be doing. And I think that's where you belong, man. I think you found your calling. I think you found 
something that's going to be able to impact lives because guess what doing all this stuff and not impacting people doesn't like for me like if i if i didn't impact my employees lives where i was just making getting rich and they didn't get nothing i would have no no goal no joy in my life right so that's you know that's part of my joy uh but what you've built man is what you said you were going to do and, and most men don't do what they say they're going to do and i think that's an important topic as well uh, we could discuss on another podcast is that dude if you say you're going to do something do it and I think that's what you've done. And uh, we want to congratulate you, man. And I hope you guys enjoyed this story. I hope you guys go follow him. Uh, what's your, your Instagram hack? Uh, Sean Michael Crane. Sean Michael Crane. Any underscores, anything like that? Yeah, uh, Sean underscore Michael underscore Crane. Perfect. I'll, I'll go ahead and put that on this thing. So you go ahead and follow my, go follow Sean. Uh, check out what he's doing. He's going to be speaking at a bunch of events this year. Try to check those out. Uh, but yeah, man, it's enjoyed. It's been a, it's been a pleasure following you. It's been a pleasure being a client of yours and just being around you changes people's energy. And that, that's, that's a massive thing, man. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Love what you're doing and looking forward to crushing it in 2023. Boom. All right, guys, that wraps up episode number 13 of the profit rocket podcast. Thank you guys. I can't wait to for the next episode. It's going to be another badass speaker. See you.